Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the season of Lent, we are doing a sermon series called The Footsteps of Jesus. The goal of this series is to explore how each of the steps or stages in Jesus's ministry are aspects of our own journey as Christians that we need to mirror in our lives. I hope you enjoy. Our scripture reading this evening is from Matthew, the 26th chapter, verses 1 through 16. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 808. Listen now for the holy word to us tonight. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and they conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. Now while Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, A woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. Now from the scriptures, Matthew chapters 26, verses 17 through 30. On the first day of unleavened bread, The disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. 
While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus was at the table with his disciples. It was Passover. The disciples had found a space and prepared the required meal so that, like all good Jews, they could eat together Jesus and his closest friends. There was probably some lamb and the bitter herbs as well as other foods that helped them remember the way in which their God had led them out of slavery in Egypt. Like our high holy days of Christmas or Easter, families and friends gathered around tables to share the story of God's deliverance, to remember the providence of God through the wilderness, and to celebrate the gifts of God. There was laughter and singing and conversation. They were not at the table as is depicted in many of the paintings that we have, but rather they reclined on the floor. This was how it was directed to be celebrated. And they passed the plates from one to the other, reciting prayers, talking about their successes and failures in following Jesus, and perhaps wondering what the future held for all of them. And while they were eating, Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Can you even imagine? It is Passover. It is a feast day. Everyone knows what prayers to say. Everyone knows what foods to eat. Everyone knows what they are supposed to be doing and how they are supposed to be behaving. And Jesus says, one of you will betray me. He is at the table with his 12 closest friends in the world. One of you will betray me. We know it is Judas. We know he has already sold Jesus out for a mere 30 pieces of silver. A pittance, really. We know the end of his story. We know that Judas throws the money away and hangs himself from a tree because he cannot live with what he has done. We know that. They don't know that. One of you will betray me. Surely not I, Rabbi. You have said so. Who was Judas trying to fool? Was he trying to act innocent because he felt so guilty? Did he really think Jesus didn't know what was going on? Jesus knows us intimately. Jesus knows the darkest recesses of our hearts. Jesus knows all the things that we try to pretend we don't know about ourselves. 
Surely not I, Rabbi. Oh, most assuredly, me and you and perhaps all of us here. Jesus has now told his disciples four times, four times in the Gospel of Matthew, that he will die. And this time he has named the time and the place. And these disciples still don't get it. Now the woman who found Jesus at Simon's house in Bethany, she got it. She anoints his head with oil. His disciples get so angry. Why did she waste all that money? An alabaster jar of oil worth far more than 30 pieces of silver to betray him. Didn't Jesus just say we were supposed to take care of the poor? We were supposed to feed them and clothe them and house them, and now Jesus seems to approve of this woman pouring oil all over his head? Why is Jesus allowing this woman to do this? Because Jesus understands what she is doing. Jesus understands the anointing. Jesus knows what the others refuse to see or hear or understand. Jesus recognizes that this woman gets it. She gets Jesus. Where his closest friends cannot understand, she understands. This woman knows that his death is imminent, and she understands the profound meaning of his death. This woman anoints Jesus as the king that he is. And rather than chastise her for a waste of money, Jesus proclaims that her deed is a proclamation of the kingdom of God. At this point in Matthew's gospel, it is only this woman and Jesus who know what's happening. The woman's act of generosity does not take away from the care for the poor or compassion for the needs of others. The ministry to, just, to which Jesus calls all of us Rather, this woman's act recognizes that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. All of our acts for the poor and the needy grow out of Jesus' sacrifice for us. And this sacrifice is recognized by a woman in Bethany who takes her alabaster jar of oil and anoints his head. After Jesus tells the disciples that one of them will betray him, they go back to the Passover meal. We can imagine that gradually their attention is turned back to what is in front of them. We know how it is at a family gathering when some member of the family blurts out something that nobody really wanted to hear. And there's that little bit of uncomfortable silence for a while. And, and then pretty soon we, we just go back to eating and, and pretend it didn't happen. Let's see, what prayer were we on is this the third cup of wine or the fourth cup? Is it time yet to eat the lamb? 
And while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Jesus finds a new way to speak about the sacrifice that he will make. The Passover meal is all about remembering, and now Jesus wants them to remember something more, something new. Take, eat, this is my body. My body, broken for you. I am giving you everything. I am giving you all that I have to give. This is myself. This is all that is left, and I'm breaking it and giving it to you. In his prayer of blessing over the bread, Jesus thanks God for God's mighty work, for the covenant that God makes with Moses and Abraham, for the wisdom and righteousness that comes through the prophets. If you listen closely to our great prayer of thanksgiving when we come to the table, we often recount the same holy history in our prayer. Not only does Jesus move toward his disciples with this offer of his own life given for them, but with his outstretched arms, he invites them to come toward him, to be with him, to participate with him in this ministry. And so tonight, if you are able, you will come to the table rather than be served in your place. Jesus welcomes us to know the grace of God. He invites us to take up our cross. He invites us to share with him in a life of unbelievable joy and overwhelming suffering. That's what the invitation is. He invites us to deny ourselves so that the kingdom of God can come and happen here. And then fear and evil will be vanquished. On this night in Jerusalem, politicians and religious officials are responding to the pressure of Jesus' words and the increasing number of followers. Quite frankly, he is making them incredibly nervous. They are threatened and they are afraid. They lash out at Jesus because Jesus insists that there is a different way to do things, a better way. The current hierarchy and arrangement of power is not the way to make things happen. On this night in Jerusalem, the disciples are trying valiantly to pretend that everything is okay. In the pit of their stomachs, though, is a knot of fear. That knot of fear that comes when there is a sense of impending doom. Ultimately, they will crumble under the strain of the night. They will become victims of the same fear and the anxiety that fills the political and religious officials because, after all, fear and anxiety are contagious. 
On this night in Jerusalem, or perhaps as day breaks, there is a trial judge who vacillates between guilt and innocence. He knows that the man before him is innocent, and he wants to wash his hands of that man, but the crowds will have none of it. So instead, he hands Jesus over to those who will hang him. It's a tragic story at face value. A Passover feast gone horribly wrong. A ministry that had all the hallmarks of being great and powerful and changing people's lives. It is a story about how fear and rage and hatred can gain control. And before you know it, innocent people are hurt. They're crippled. They're even killed. In the midst of the tragedy of this night, we will gather at this table. We remember that on the night of his betrayal, Jesus took bread. And he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. He gave his all his broken body for them, for us. And tonight we remember. We remember that he took the cup and gave it new meaning, more now <clears throat> than a Passover cup. It is a cup that reminds us of the unmitigated sacrifice of Jesus. We come to the table tonight to remember, to remember that this story is not a tragic story of a ministry failed, but rather the incredible story of God's grace and providence. It is a story of love, love that is willing to sacrifice even its own life, love that does not end in death but in redemption. Love that puts out the fires of fear and anger and hatred. Love that calms our anxiety and does away with false hierarchies and walls of division. Love that is so strong, so true, so real, that it demands from us everything that we are everything that we have. Love so amazing. Love so divine. It demands our heart, our soul, our all. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.